Our message tonight is from Jeremiah chapter 12. Why do the wicked prosper? That's a kind of question that we see in several parts throughout the scriptures. And Jeremiah tackles this question as well. Verse 1 of chapter 12. You are righteous, Lord, when I pled with you. Yet, let me talk with you about your judgments. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? You planted them, they have taken root, they grow, they bear fruit. You're near in their mouth, but far from their mind. So Jeremiah is having a little issue here. He said, Lord, you're righteous. When I come to you and plead with you, you're righteous. But I want to talk to you about something. You're not judging, bringing judgments upon these wicked people fast enough for me. Let's talk about this a bit. Why are they happy? They're so wicked and they're prospering. They're happy, they're doing good, they've taken root, they're growing. They talk about you, but you're far from them. It's all lip service for them. And they're causing me a whole lot of problems. Sounds like he's copping an attitude. Yeah, he's got an attitude. <laughs> he's having a tough time. Yeah. We'll read. Right now we're still in, 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 in kind of the beginning of the prophetic portions of Jeremiah in a sense. We'll get into the story portions of Jeremiah where he lays out more and more the difficulties that he had, the persecution he received. We'll see a little bit of it here in this chapter. Directly upon him. They're rejecting God. And they're rejecting him. And this is where it comes personal. And he's not happy about it. God, you sent me forth to warn them. You sent me forth to prophesy. You sent me forth to, to tell them of the doom that's going to come to them. And they're just prospering more and more. They're happy. And they're dealing treacherously. Treacherously with you, treacherously with me. So let's have a talk about these judgments of yours. <laughs> that you've been telling me about, that I've read about, that I've been warning them about. God doesn't always seem so quick to bring judgment upon the wicked. He doesn't seem to give us our blessings according to our timing. He doesn't seem to come through with our deliverance according to our timing. He doesn't seem to do that fast enough. And he doesn't seem to be fast enough in dealing with the wicked. Maybe heaven's like a government agency. You know, it just doesn't, just doesn't move fast enough for everyone else. You know, Maybe if it was part of the private sector, it'd move a lot faster There'd be a lot more customer satisfaction, maybe. Maybe some more competition is needed. I don't know, but uh, it doesn't seem that God moves fast enough for Jeremiah. It doesn't seem like God moves fast enough for us. And if you're going through something right now in your life where people are giving you a hard time, 
where the wicked seem to be prospering. Here, you've been good on the job, you've been faithful on the job, and it seems like that person who is manipulating the system, who is negative, who leaves early, comes late, breaks things, steals things, he seems to be the one that's getting the promotions or the benefits. Maybe it seems plain to you that this neighbor is horrible, and yet it seems like everyone likes him more than you. Maybe it seems like someone who's maybe a family member or someone you know or a friend or a past friend, and it seems like everyone's believing their story instead of your story. And yet as plain as day to you that they're just all, it's in their mouth, but far from their mind. And you know the reality. You know how you've labored. And you know how you've tried to be good. And yet God is letting them get away with it. Seems like they seem to be the one that's prospering. They're the one that seems to be growing. They're the ones that seem to be benefiting. And you're the one who's suffering. You're the one who's going through the difficult time. And you cry out, well, where is God? Where are these judgments that you prophesied? He said, if I return, I'll be blessed. Well, where's the blessing? And you say, there'd be a curse on those that reject you. Well, where is their curse? What's taking you so long? David asked a very similar question. Many others throughout the scriptures as well. And no doubt many of us in this very room have asked that same question as well. I want to read to you a few paragraphs from, from a book that I think sheds a little bit of light on this. The mysterious providences which permits the righteous to suffer persecution at the hand of the wicked has been a cause of great perplexity to many who are weak in faith. Some are even ready to cast away their confidence in God because he suffers the basest of men to prosper. While the best and purest are afflicted and tormented by their cruel power. How, it is asked, can one who is just and merciful and who is also infinite in power tolerate such injustice and oppression? Maybe that's a question that we've wondered ourselves. This is a question which we have nothing to do. God has given us sufficient evidence of his love and we are not to doubt his goodness because we cannot understand the workings of his providence. Said the Savior to his disciples, foreseeing the doubts that would press upon their souls in the days of trials and darkness. Remember the word that I said to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Yeshua suffered for us more than any of his followers can be made to suffer. 
through the cruelty of wicked men. Those who are called to endure torture and martyrdom are but following the steps of God's dear Son. So it outlines several reasons as we're going to see. The first reason is we go through suffering because God went through suffering. And if we are his servants and we are his disciples and we are following his example, we should expect that we are going to follow and receive what he received. The wicked persecuted him and the Father allowed it and the wicked are going to persecute us and God's going to allow it for a time. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He's not late. He does not forget nor neglect his children, but he permits the wicked to reveal their true character that none who desire to do his will may be deceived concerning them. So another reason is to give them enough time to expose themselves. We don't always see right off their wickedness, but given enough time, they will be exposed to enough people. Again, the righteous are placed in the furnace of affliction that they themselves may be purified, that their example may convince others of the reality of their faith and goodness. So a third reason is so that when others see us suffer persecution and take it patiently, trusting in the Lord, they will be encouraged to have faith and wait upon the Lord as well. And also, that their consistent course may condemn the ungodly and unbelieving. So as we take, fourthly, as we take it patiently, as we wait upon the Lord, as we trust in the Lord, it will bring conviction to those that are causing the problems and could lead to their salvation. But if we come down to their level and throw rocks back at them, they won't be convicted. They'll look at us and go, hey, just as dastardly as me. And they'll forget that they threw the rock first and they'll blame us for throwing rocks. But if we take it patiently and lovingly responded as Yeshua did to his accusers, God will be able to convict their souls and hopefully lead them to conversion. And if they refuse, then God has something in the judgment to make his case with. They were nice to you and you were wicked back. You had opportunity to repent. You felt the conviction and you resisted it. God permits the wicked to prosper and to reveal their enmity against him that when they shall have filled up the measure of their iniquity, all may see his justice and mercy in their utter destruction. So the fifth reason. That in the final judgment, when God does destroy the wicked, there will be none in the universe that can doubt his mercy and his long-suffering and the attempt after attempt after attempt that he has used to try and reach them. The day of his vengeance hastens. 
when all who have transgressed his law and oppressed his people will meet their just recompense of their deeds. When every act of cruelty or injustice towards God's faithful ones will be punished as though they've done it to the Messiah himself. So God's judgment day is coming. His vengeance will come. We just have to wait a little bit longer for it. There is another and more important question that should engage the attention of us today. More importantly than the question of why God are you allowing me to suffer? Why are, when are you going to bring judgment upon them? Why are you letting them prosper? A more important question, a more accurate question that we should be asking. The Apostle Paul declares that all that will live godly in Messiah Yeshua shall suffer persecution. Why is it then, this is the question, why is it then that persecution seems in a great degree to slumber? Why isn't there more persecution? Why aren't we being persecuted more like Jeremiah was? Why aren't we being persecuted more like Yeshua was? Why aren't we being persecuted more like the disciples were? That is the question. Not why are we receiving persecution, but why aren't we being persecuted more? Not why are we receiving so much persecution, but why are we receiving so little persecution? That is a more accurate question for us to be asking. The only reason is that we have conformed to the world's standard and therefore awaken no opposition. The religion which is current in our day is not the pure and holy character that marked godly faith in the days of the Messiah and his apostles. It is only because the spirit of compromise with sin because the great truths of the word of God are indifferently regarded. Because there is so little vital, vital godliness among believers that religion is apparently so popular with the world. Let there be a revival of the faith and power of the early believers and the spirit of persecution will be revived and the fires of persecution will be rekindled. So it's only because the religion of our day is so similar to the worldly standards that the world feels comfortable around religiosity. They feel comfortable, like he says here, you're near in their mouth, but far from their mind. They like to talk about godly things. They're fine with that for the most part, as long as it doesn't get too righteous, as long as it doesn't get too convicting, as long as it doesn't apply to their life, as long as they can continue in their sins, they're happy to say, God, God, here and there. God bless you and God bless America. Because the majority of so-called Bible followers are following the world instead of following the Bible. 
if the percentage of people who on surveys that profess to be followers of God lived according to the Bible standard, there are many companies that go out of business for lack of business. There are many companies today that are prospering at the dollars of so-called professed believers. We've conformed to the world. What the world loves, we love, because our carnal hearts are in harmony with them. But if we start living godly lives according to the Holy Spirit, according to God's power within us, according to God coming and living inside us, according to the Word of God, then we will really experience a revival like in Bible times, which will bring on persecution like in Bible times, which will bring about the five reasons why God will allow it. To bring conviction to them, to be able to use in judgment against them, to purify ourselves, and to prepare us and so that it can be seen who truly is living a godly life and who is not. These reasons, and no doubt others, are the reasons that God allows persecution. And why he doesn't bring his vengeance right away? He's long-suffering. He loves those. He loves everyone, including those who persecute us and who reject him. And he's reaching out in tender kindness to give them more time. It's difficult on us, but again, if we are followers of Yeshua, there is nothing too difficult for us to go through if it brings about the salvation of someone else. That was from the book, uh, Great Controversy, page 45. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 3, But you, O Lord, know me. You have seen me, and you have tested my heart toward you. May each of us be able to pray that way. Lord, test me. Lord, see me. Lord, look into my heart and see if there's any wickedness there. Try me. David prayed that, and so here Jeremiah is praying similarly. David also, when he prayed about why do you allow the wicked, David then comes up with the answer. He says, but it was when I looked into your sanctuary and then un thus understood the whole plan of salvation with the judgments and the process of judging, then I understood their end. Verse 3, pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and prepare them for the day of slaughter. Jeremiah's having a hard time with it. God, when I talk to you, everything's good and righteous and that's fine, but let me talk to you about judgments upon the wicked. They're prospering. I've been doing good. You know I've been doing good. But they're not. So pull them out for the slaughter and prepare them and wipe them out already. Let's get on with this judgment stuff. So if you felt that way ever, well, you're in good company. Jeremiah went through that as well. How long will the land mourn and the herbs of the field wither? The beasts and the birds are consumed for the wickedness of those who dwell there because they said he will not see, he will not see our final end. 
the wicked prospering and affecting everything. God answers Jeremiah, if you've run with the footmen and they've wearied you, then how can you contend with the horses? And if in the land of peace, in which you trusted, they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplains of the Jordan? If you can't keep up with the runners, then how are you going to fight against the chariots? How are you going to keep up with the chariots? If you've got tired running with the runners, there's no way you're going to keep up with the horses. If you can't handle it when there's basically relative peace and safety, how are you going to deal with it when there's war and strife? If you're having a hard time dealing with the persecutions now, if you're having a hard time dealing with the injustices now, if you're having a hard time dealing with the inconveniences and the problems that you're going through and the suffering you're going through now, how are you going to make it through when a time of trouble such as the world has never seen comes upon us? That's what he said. He says, Jeremiah, I called you to be a prophet. We're only in chapter 12 here. I still got another 40 more chapters for you to write out. If you can't make it through this, how are you going to make it through really hard times? You think this is hard, wait till the Babylonians come in here. You think it's hard now, wait till the siege takes place. You think it's hard now, wait till they throw you into a pit. To leave you there to die. Jeremiah, this is just the beginning. I'm just strengthening you now for the real battle to come. We're just exercising here now. We're just getting in shape for the big game. This is preseason right now. This is Little League here. This is kindergarten. If you can't make it through kindergarten, how are you going to make it through college? You think the assignment of drawing a picture is difficult? Wait till I give you trigonometry. Or sadistics. How are you going to handle that? Some called statistics. <laughs> Depending on how you look at it. <laughs> how are you going to handle it then? So that we're going right now here. I mean, you know, this is the United States. This is peace and safety. For the most part, relative calm. I don't know, too many believers here in this country that have had their heads slopped off lately. I don't know, too many preachers yet lately here in this country who've been locked up and sentenced to death for preaching. But in parts of the world, that is happening. And if it's happening there, don't think it's not going to happen here. When Paul wrote, all who live godly in Yeshua's ire, Messiah will suffer persecution. He meant all. And as Yeshua said, if they've done it to him, they will do it to us. So now, in this time of peace, is the time for us to have our lives right with God. Now is the time when we go through these trials to thank God for the exercises in patience, for the exercises in trust and faith in him, for the growing periods, 
so that we can be living witnesses. Oh, a lot of people say, oh, it'd be great to see him come on the clouds of glory. It'd be great to be alive at that time. Well, the only way we're going to be able to be alive to see the real fireworks is to first go through the time of trouble, such as the world has never seen. And our world has seen some really horrendous trouble. And so when he says it's going to be worse than ever, I can't imagine. And the Romans would set up believers to light the road. You drive home tonight and see the streetlights. Think about every single one of those being a believer, burning so that you could drive home. For Nero. Next time you hear about a football game or a baseball game or any sports event on the news or you drive by the stadium or see it advertised or hear it on the radio or news reports of whoever won whatever game where they made millions of dollars chasing a little ball. Think about that being the news about believers in the Colosseums being torn apart by lions. And if that wasn't bad enough, a time of trouble such as the world has never seen is coming upon the world. And yet through that time, some of those who were persecuted said, you can persecute us, but our blood is like seed. The more you persecute us, the more we grow. Why was there growth then? Because there was true godliness then. Why were they persecuted then? Because there was true godliness then. Why aren't we growing today? And why isn't there more persecution now? Because we're so lukewarm. And so indifferent to the word of God. And our lives are in such harmony with the world. So now is the time to be building up those running muscles. Now is the time to be learning to trust the Lord and to be faithful in all areas of our lives. Now is the time to be confessing our sins. Now is the time to be allowing God to search our hearts because in the time of trouble, it'll be hard to allow God to search our hearts. It'll be such confusion and such, not only, it, the persecution outwardly will be small, compared to the persecution that will take place in our minds. Yeshua's death was horrible, a horrible way to die, but there were many people who died that way. What was the worst was the internal struggle that he dealt with in having the sins of the world upon him. That's where Satan's persecution is going to be the worst, as he brings to our mind all the wrong things we've said, as he brings to our mind all the wrong actions that we've done, as he brings to our mind all the sins that we have committed, all the times we made promises and didn't follow through on them, all the times we reneged on our commitments to the Lord. And if we can't say, but I've already confessed them, I've already been forgiven, then it'll be overwhelming. Now is the time to allow God to be searching our hearts. Now is the time to be allowing, to confessing 
and accepting the Messiah's sacrifice in our behalf and receiving his forgiveness. Letting him cleanse us of all the anger and all the desire for vengeance and all the desire for uh, seeing their calamity upon the wicked. Now's the time to be confessing all the rejoicing at their downfall. Now is the time to be confessing all the mistakes that we've made and all the hurt that we've done to people. Now is the time to be confessing our sins against God, our neglect of following his word, of the neglect of reading his word, and receiving his forgiveness. Now is the time. And now is the time to be receiving of his spirit. Now is the time to be filled with his power to gain victory unto victory. Now is the time to be witnessing while there's still open minds and hearts because that time of trouble will come because God's spirit will be removed. And it'll be so much harder for people, if, if not impossible for people to receive him. Now is the time for us to be telling others and living godly lives. And some of the ways we tell others is by living through the persecution, living through not even persecution, the rejections, the heartaches, the difficulties, the being overlooked, the being forgotten, the being misused, being abused, and taking it godly. It doesn't mean we become that everyone can walk over us. We can stand up, we can still say it's wrong, we can still say don't do that anymore, we can still call the police, we can still take legal action, but not with anger, not with a desire for revenge, but a desire for justice, not for a desire to see them in pain, but for a desire to see them convicted and converted. And sometimes it's bringing them to justice in our legal system here that does, brings that about. Sometimes it's telling them what they're doing is wrong brings that about. Sometimes it's telling them to stop doing that that brings that about. I don't mean just take it by just, just letting them continue to make you a punching bag. Then they don't know that they think it's okay. They think you like it. They think it's okay. They don't seem to mind that I'm taking their money. They don't seem to mind that I'm making fun of them. They don't seem to mind that I borrow their stuff. It doesn't seem to mind that I don't even give them a call. And then they just continue doing it. So it's okay to speak up. If your boss has overlooked you for someone else, it's okay to say, hey, why was I overlooked? If you don't, then next time you'll think, hey, they didn't care. He likes that pay. He likes that job. I'll just continue. But it's okay to say, hey, next time consider me. It's okay to speak up, but to do it in a godly way. Not with jealousy, not with envy, not with anger. Now is the time to be running with the footmen and catching up with the horses. Now is the time to be growing in the Lord, filled with his Holy Spirit, filled with his power, and living godly lives. And it is possible. God has done it over and over again through human beings in the past, and he wants to do it again through humanity today. Verse 6. 
God's still speaking to Jeremiah. Even your brothers, the house of your father, have dealt treacherously with you. They called a multitude after you. Don't believe them, even if they speak smooth words to you. God warned him, yeah, they've dealt treacherously with you, but yeah, they'll speak nice words to you. Don't believe it. Yeshua went through this. He was dealt treacherously with. But they came up to him, oh, good rabbi. Verse 7. I have forsaken my house. I have left my heritage. I have given the dearly beloved of my soul into the hands of her enemies. That's what Yeshua did. Yeshua left his house. He left heaven. He left the adoration of angels. He left the side of his father. He left the throne. And he came down here and gave himself to his enemies, which includes you and me. And we have dealt treacherously with him. All like sheep have gone astray. And his dear love for us, he left all and took our punishment for us. Verse 12, the plunderers have come on all the desolate heights in the wilderness, for the sword of the Lord shall devour from one end of the land to the other end of the land, and no flesh shall have peace. God says they've been plundering, but judgment will come. Judgment day will come. Don't join them. Don't come down to their level. Otherwise, you'll get swept out in the judgment as well. Be patient. Wait upon the Lord. He'll renew your strength. Mount up on wings like eagles. Rise above the problems. Rise above their insults. And live godly lives in the Lord. Verse 14, thus says the Lord, against all my evil neighbors who have touched the inheritance which I have caused my people Israel to inherit, behold, I will pluck them out of the land and pluck out the house of Judah from among them. When Babylon comes through, it's going to pluck us out, send us off to Babylon. After I pluck them out, I will return and have compassion on them and bring them back to their heritage and land. And that's exactly what God does. Babylon comes through, plucks us out, and 70 years later, God plants us back. Verse 16, And if they will learn carefully the ways of my people to swear by my name, as the Lord lives, just as they taught my people to swear by Baal, if they now swear by my name, they will be established in the midst of my people. After they return, if they repent, if they change, if they live godly lives, if they live according to the word of the Lord, if they follow God, take on his name, take on his character, take on his mind, take on his heart, they'll be established and blessed in the midst of the people. Verse 17, but if they do not obey, I will utterly pluck up and destroy that nation, says the Lord. And that come, came to pass as well.
when Rome came through and destroyed the temple and dispersed us again as Babylon dispersed us. So the warning is for us as well. God wants us to live godly in him. He's given each of us a second chance. He's returned each of us to him. And he calls us not just to talk with our mouths, but to have him in our hearts and in our minds. To allow him to live in us and through us. To live by his name, to take on his name. It's an interesting prophecy. I forget where it is. I think it's in Ezekiel. It says, they say they want his name, but let us, live, let us dress with our own apparel and let us eat our own food, but we just want your name. We just want to be called the children of God, but we don't really want to live like you. We want to live like we always live. We want to live like our carnal heart. We want to eat and dress like our carnal heart wants. We just want to be able to talk the talk. God says, but if not... We'll get plucked out again. It's not enough to just come a little ways. It's not enough just to start on the journey. We need to finish the journey. And it's an upward journey and a continually increasing journey, a continual growing journey, more and more exciting, more and more vitalizing, more and more empowering the Holy Spirit wants to fill us with. More and more transforming throughout our lives not enough, enough just to say, well, I gave my heart to the Lord five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. But to re-give our hearts to the Lord. Not enough just to talk about the time we were immersed. But each and every moment as we're re-baptized with the Ruach, with the Holy Spirit. Giving us new experiences day by day and moment by moment living for him. And again, the more we live for him, the more the wicked are going to hate it. The more it'll bring conviction. It's a good sign we're on the right path. And that's okay, because God will see us through. Whether he allows us to be martyrs or to live, either way, he will see us through to eternity as we put our trust in him. As we pray, you've been going through some trial or currently or maybe some trial in the past that you never fully dealt with. Maybe some rejection that you just kind of pushed under the rug. But it still pains, it still hurts. You still wonder why God allowed that. You haven't dealt with it, you haven't faced it. Let God heal you of that. Let God deliver you of that. If there's still any resentment, any revenge, any anger at God or the perpetrators, let God minister to your heart and soul. Let him fulfill his purpose in allowing that. He doesn't bring it about, but he permits it for a reason, for our own good and for the salvation of others, in a nutshell. Allow God to do his work, allow God to fulfill his work. And so if you're going through something or have in the past and you want to surrender that to the Lord, as we pray, let God work in your life. If you've been running with the foot soldiers and you're weary, you're weary of doing good, 
you're weary of living for the Lord, feeling tired and worn out through the struggles of this earth, and you're feeling like giving up, surrender that to the Lord and receive his power, receive his strength. Receive a fresh dose of his spirit to mount you up, to put you on his wings and to carry you above it all. If you've just been coasting along, there hasn't been much growth in your life in a while, you haven't been preparing for running with the horses, you haven't been preparing for the battle, but just coasting along. As we pray, ask God to give you a deeper walk with him and a strengthening walk with him. There's some sin in your life and you feel like God's plucked you out to get your attention and he's returned you. You're hearing his voice, obviously, if you came tonight and you returned, he's returned you. Accept forgiveness for whatever it was. Accept God's cleansing. Give him the guilt and the sorrow and receive his forgiveness. Receive his power. There's something on your record that you're trying to hide from God. You want it fully exposed or you you want to allow God to search your heart as we pray. Just where you are, just ask God, search my heart. Whatever area, those areas, or some other area maybe God's been speaking to you about tonight or more through this week. As we pray, let God speak to our hearts and minds and let God do his work in us and through us. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we're thankful that you left heaven, that you left your home, that you were willing to come down here and know what it's like to suffer abuse, know what it's like to be misunderstood by family and friends, brothers and sisters and parents, to know what it's like to be rejected by even those professing to be religious. You know what it's like to be hurt by those who are ungodly, you know what it's like to experience the sufferings of this world. Thank you for coming and experiencing that for us. So you can relate to us. Thank you for people like Jeremiah who went through it as well and obviously made it through. And struggled with some of these questions as well. And Lord, we thank you that you have seen something in us that you've allowed us to go through our suffering. That you've had faith in us believing that you can empower us to make it through. Thank you that you've permitted it so that we can grow. Thank you that you've allowed it so that others can come to know you and love you too. Thank you for allowing us to be witnesses for the judgment. Lord, give us faith and loving kindness to our persecutors to those that have hurt us. Give us your love and mercy and forgiveness. Thank you for being willing and able to reveal to us our hearts, and we give you permission now to do that. And we thank you, Lord, that you can remove out of our hearts and our minds all enmity against you and against others, and that you're able to set us free. And we're thankful that not only are you able to empower us to run with the footmen, you're able to empower us to run with the horses from victory to victory.
So strengthen us, mount us up on wings of eagles, and draw us close to heaven. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.